Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, children can be dismissed. Get downstairs where it's cooler. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You know, Isaiah is um, quite a prophet, and his writings um, are, are very unique in, in, many, in many ways. Um, Isaiah is considered one of the most literate, uh, well-educated of all the prophets in the Old Testament. Um, sometimes uh, whenever they're studying the prophets, you, you, know, you look at uh, their writings and the vocabulary, and uh, Isaiah has one of the largest vocabularies of any prophet, it's meaning that he was very well educated, very intelligent man. But yet he was an individual who was able to uh, hear the voice of God, understand the, and see things that weren't, you know, able to be seen, as it were, in a, in a, spiritual, in a spiritual realm. He writes about the Messiah, he writes about the birth of Christ. Um, and in Isaiah chapter 40, it's one of the a very familiar, one of his, one of the most popular chapters that we quote from him. I, I thought I would, uh, verse 40, um, verse 31 is the primary scripture for today, but I thought I'd start at verse 27. And it says, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is discarded by my God. Why do you keep saying that God doesn't understand where we're at? Do you not know and have you not heard the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But, but those who hope, another translation says those who wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Flyers, runners, and walkers. <laughs> Flyers, runners, and walkers. Now, whenever we think of our, our relationship with God and we think about our relationship and, and just what we do in everyday life, there are some days that we feel like we're, we're on top of it. You know, we are soaring with the eagles. And then there's some days that we're just in a good old-fashioned run. I haven't done any of those for a long time. Uh, and then there's just the plain old out-and-out -out walking. You know, just trying to get where we want to go and making sure we get there. Well, that's kind of how we see our relationship with God. Sometimes we don't know which one of them we're really in. Sometimes we feel like we're hardly moving, but yet we may be soaring. And what I mean by that is there may be circumstances that are going on in our life that appear to us that they are really dragging us down and we can be like Israel and we can be complaining that our way is hidden from the Lord, our cause is lost, and God doesn't really know where we're at. But one of the things that's so important is that we understand the character of God. I'm going to try not to project, because if I project, I can't talk for very long, and some of you are praying, God, let him project. 
so he don't talk very long. Um, the idea is that we, we have this relationship with God that is taking us somewhere. And we want to know where we're going. We always like, how many like to know what's going to happen next week? How about next year? How about in 10 years? No, we don't want to go that far. We might not be here, right? So let's say, let's back it up. Let me know, all right, why do we want to know these things? Well, we want to prepare for them, right? Don't you like to be prepared? How many like to be prepared? I love to be prepared. It just doesn't always work, but I like to be prepared. I like to know what's coming, and I like to have an idea of what I want to do. You know, I, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever, in all my years, I've ever come to the pulpit without knowing what I was going to speak. You know, I, I've heard of some people that there's this one, I, I, this is supposedly a true story, our superintendent went to this large church to visit this pastor, and um, while he was there, the pastor reached under the chair he was at and pulled out a drawer. And he was going through it, and he looked at it and said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm picking up my sermon. Because he had a bunch of sermons there, he didn't know which one he was going to preach, but he thought he'd find one because he was waiting for the Spirit to tell him. <laughs> <coughs> well, that one didn't go over very well. And, uh, oh, thank you. And... Then there, then there are those that, are, that like to, you know, well, we'll wait until we get here and the Spirit inspire us. And, but I, I, like to, I like to have an idea of where I'm going. I like to have an idea. How many start out on a trip and don't know where you're going? That's called Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you've been, and you forgot who you are. So, but... Um, we, we, we like to have an idea of what's going on, but how are we going to get there? Now, most often it's the circumstances that we look at that determine to us whether or not we are flying, uh, running, or walking. But if we understand the character of God, if we understand what the character of God is, what is God like? Then we're going to know, like verse 27 says, Do you not, Did you not say Jacob and Israel and complain? My way is hidden from the Lord. But Isaiah says, Don't you know, haven't you heard, the Lord is an everlasting God. He is the creator. Don't you know the character of God? You can't be someplace that he doesn't know where you're at. So don't complain that God hasn't heard you because he knows everything. And if he knows everything, then he has a plan. God has a purpose. He's just waiting for us to pay attention. Now, last week, we spoke about David and facing the giants, and I have, um, <coughs> I still have some stones here from last week that, uh, and anybody remember what the stones are for? Taking down your giants. And the giants can be the giants of our emotions, those who are in charge of us emotionally, like David's older brothers, what are you doing here, you ruddy kid? Um, he can be like taking down the giant of the person who is over us positionally, like the king who says, 
Uh, I want to dress you in my armor. I want to make you something that you're not. You need to take down that giant. And then, of course, you need to take down the giant that is just out and out better than you. Goliath was out and out better than David. And so David was able to take down the giant with a stone. And so how much, what does it take to bring down a giant? Sometimes it is a well-placed stone. And what does it take to let us know whether we're flying, running, or walking? A well-placed understanding of God and of who we are. And as we put that together in our lives, that God has a, God has a way of working in us to take us to a certain place. Now, our journey with God is toward him. Now, if God is taking us on a journey, okay, do you not know Israel? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. God has a purpose. So, if God, if our journey is towards God, is God going to see to it that we have the victory? I am more than a conqueror through, through Christ. All things work together for good to those who love him. There's no defeat. There are setbacks. There are times of which we grow weary. But we know that the scripture says that God doesn't grow weary. So if we are going towards God and God wants us to come towards him, what is the challenge? The challenge is us. The challenge is me. The challenge is how am I going to respond to this journey? How am I going to respond to this path that I'm on? How am I going to deal with this ups and downs of my path? My flying, my running, and my walking. How far is a 10K rinse? 6.2 miles. What's a good time? <laughs> if you can run it and, and complete the 6.2 miles, you're, you're in good shape. Well, Pastor Sylvia Baker, who is in her mid, I don't know how old she is exactly, but I know she's in her mid-70s. She finished a 10K yesterday in one hour and 35 minutes and 50 seconds. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. 70, she's 75. I know who I need to go running with. <laughs> Not her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to go out and get, on, uh, get moving again. I need to get out and get moving again. But she's been training for this for a while. And, you know, she started by going to a health club. And, you know, I was with her. We went to a meeting, oh, probably about four months ago, and she, it was in the middle of winter, and she was saying, well, you know, I'm getting ready to run the race in the spring. You know, I didn't pay much attention to it, you know, but she's, she's, she had lost a lot of weight, and she had been working out at the gym and running and things, and, and so and here she is at 75, ran her first 10K, I think it was her first one, and uh, she did it in an hour and 35 minutes. So how do you evaluate yourself when you're running the journey? How do you evaluate yourself whenever you are on this journey towards God? Now, 
most of the time we look at it from the perspective of, well, I'm not in shape. What about our coach? Who's your coach? The everlasting God. The God who has given us insight into how we are to approach the training and approach this journey. How do you evaluate? I don't know if I could walk that distance right now. That, that's uh, at uh, how many miles? 6.2. I don't know if I can walk 6.2 miles right now. There was a time. <laughs> yeah, so big deal. Uh, there was a time when all of us could walk 6.2 miles. But training makes a difference. Preparation makes a difference. The evaluating the circumstances and evaluating where you're, where you're at makes a difference. So what, is, what becomes the goal? The goal becomes that we can make, make the distance. I remember probably about 12 years ago, I went out to California to uh, the training for this, you know, the Dean Ornish Heart Disease Reversal Program. And uh, we were starting that program here at the hospital. And um, we were out there and we spent a whole week at this hotel you know, in classrooms and all this stuff. But one of the sessions, well, every day was about physical activities. And the guy, I remember the guy put me on a treadmill. And he puts it on one mile an hour. How many know how fast one mile an hour is? Slower, somewhere around like this. Okay? He put me on a treadmill. And I says, I can go faster than that. He says, I don't care if you can go faster than that. I want you here one hour from now. That changed my whole perception of what I was supposed to do. I was in it for the long haul. I, you know, I can get on here and I can get going and I can do this for about two minutes maybe. And then I'm done. And he said, no, I want you here an hour from now. So what becomes the pace that takes us to an hour. He knew, and sure enough, he wouldn't let me get off, and he wouldn't let me speed it up, and an hour later, I'm still... But I was still on a treadmill. God has a way of keeping us in the race. God has a way of keeping us in the race. Some by flying, some by running, and some by walking. So we have to think that God has a purpose. Now, Watchman Nee has a book that he wrote. Um, where is it? I forgot the title of it. So training makes a difference. We know that um, we look at the Apostle Paul, he, how that he raised a man from the dead. And at another point he writes, we despair even of life. That we have to have... <clears throat> We have to have an accurate um, understanding of what the training is involved and what the course has to offer. And every day of the course is not the same. Every day has its different perspectives and every day has its different obstacles. So when Paul, when he raised someone from the dead, that was a great day. But then in 2 Corinthians 1.8, he says, we're in despair even of our life. Then Elijah, 
He was a man just like us. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man just as you and I are. One day, he's calling down fire from heaven, and the next day, he, he has suicidal thoughts, and he's in the depths of depression. So he is calling down fire from heaven, and the next day, he's saying, I'm the only one left. You know, there's no one left but me, Lord. Take my life. So faith does not exempt us from life's seasons and from life's experiences. Faith enables us to go through them victoriously. When, uh, when uh, the, normal, the normal Christian life, then, the normal Christian life, how many here are normal? <laughs> You're afraid to admit it, huh? Most of us think of us that we're abnormal, but in reality, in reality, you are normal. I'll let that sink in. Because <laughs> sometimes we don't believe we're normal. There are a few exceptions, Ken, but... Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> There's a few exceptions to normal. Uh, but anyhow... i just kidding. The highest reward for man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. So the normal Christian life is a life of becoming. The normal Christian life is a life of becoming. It's a life in which we are involved in the flying, the running, and the walking. When you think of flyers, runners, and walkers, each one of those has their own blind spots. Each one of those has their own points of despair. If you're a flyer, if you're being blessed by God and experiencing success beyond your normal abilities, we need to enjoy it. We need to recognize that God is blessing and God has uh, put abundance on here. You know, he's given some people uh, the ability to get wealth. There are some people who are just natural born flyers. You know, I often envy uh, Dave, Dave uh, my friend, he was, he, he's a judge now, and uh, you know, we talk about um, when he was in the Navy, and he was a Navy pilot, and how that he would fly um, uh, missions and fly off of the aircraft carrier, and how that they would do their night landings on an aircraft carrier with no lights, only instruments. Now, I can't imagine what that would be like. Bringing a, bringing a jet onto an aircraft carrier, you know, and you're going at what, 100 and, you have to be traveling at least 125 to 150 miles an hour, and you're hitting this speck in the ocean that is also moving, and you're gonna do touch and goes with an aircraft carrier at night with no lights, only instruments. I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> you know? I think it would be, you know, hard enough to do touch and goes. You know, sometimes they bring in these, uh, well, sometimes we have the big aircraft to come in here uh, and do touch and goes at the airport here. But uh, my Rhonda's nephew, he was, uh, uh, he flew in the Air Force, and we were at uh, K.I. Sawyer up in Michigan, and they were doing touch-and-goes with B-52s. 
And we were at the runway, at the end of the runway, stopped, and here come these humongous airplanes down sideways, <laughs> you know, going side. And I was like, why are they flying sideways? Because there was a crosswind and whatever. But they hit those runways, and they'd go on, and then guy would floor it, you know, he'd floor it, you know, that's the driver's term. He'd hit the, hit the gas or whatever. All this black smoke would come out, and all those engines would roar, and they'd take off again. And they'd take off and do another circle, and in comes another plane. And can you imagine doing flying, you know, flying, doing touch and goes with a B-52? Uh, doing touch and goes on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. Flying. Sometimes it's not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Sometimes people love to fly, but they've got to develop the skills to do it. So whenever we look at our lives, it's important that we know that flying is important. But some of us in our spiritual lives are flyers. Some people in their spiritual lives are flyers. And we can sit back and know I can sit at the end of the runway and I can look at these guys who are flyers and say, whoa, look at how, what, what magnificent faith they have, how, how easy they've got it. <laughs> yeah. Do they really have it easy? Or do they have skills and abilities? And they also have difficulties and depressions and anxieties and sometimes failure. So, no matter what we are, if we're a flyer or if we're a runner, thank God you're still in the race. If you're a runner, don't get discouraged because some people are flyers. Don't give up on being a runner. Don't compare yourself with flyers. You'll, you'll, know, you'll start thinking that you're not as good as them. But each of us has our responsibilities. Don't compare yourself with walkers. Not Ed Walker, but... So if you're a runner, don't get compared with walkers. Why? Because then you'll get proud. So the idea is be content with who you are, knowing that you're in the race, knowing that we have a course that is set for us, knowing that God has a purpose, so we keep running the race. Houses built on sand are quick and cheap and easy. They provide temporary comfort, instant gratification. But Jesus says, these words I speak are foundational. Work them into your life like a smart carpenter who builds on the solid rock. Nothing moves that house that is built upon the rock. So whether we're flyers, it takes great skill to be a flyer. If we are runners, it takes great endurance to be a runner. Especially to be a marathon runner or to, to you know, it's a different muscle tone, a different whatever. We have... You have uh, geese that fly thousands and thousands of miles. You have uh, grouse. Anybody ever walk up on a grouse in the woods? Who hasn't walked up on a grouse? <laughs> when they take off, you think your heart has just totally gone. Forget about shooting a bird. Just try to get your heart. Because when they take off, their, their, their wings are moving at a thousand miles an hour. You know, and you know, forget, you know, you're out there hunting grouse and they take off and you about die. 
Because, you know, they're not going to fly thousands of miles. They're just going to move in a hurry. And so these are the things that people have. There are flyers. There are runners. Now, Eliezer, one of David's three mighty men, was the kind of person who wouldn't quit. When the Philistines attacked, we read that then the men of Israel retreated. But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. It, mean that he, it means that he fought so long that he had so many cramps in his hand that he couldn't let go of his sword. And he kept fighting and he kept fighting and he kept fighting. Did you ever hold on to something till you had so many cramps that you couldn't move your fingers and you couldn't let go of it? Some of you never worked that hard. <laughs> Some of you have. But sometimes writing with pencils or writing papers. I don't know, they don't write anymore, they type. Yeah, you get them finger problems, you know, from typing. What do we do? We stick with it. God will give you the victory. When you give in to discouragement and quit, what more can God do for you? When we quit the race, whether we're flyers, whether we're runners, or whether we're walkers, when we quit, what happened? We stopped. We say, God is not in charge. Your path is not really what I desire. But we just keep running the race. We stick with it. God will give us a victory. So, if we are a walker, keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know what amazes me and, and um, like the Appalachian Trail and things, you know, uh, other trails that, that are historical trails that Indians and our, you know, others would use to, that would travel. How far does the Appalachian Trail go? Anybody know? Is it six, 7,000 miles or 5,000 miles? Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it's thousands of miles. Maybe that's too far. But I know that it's, um, <laughs> I know that it crosses over the turnpike uh, out of Somerset there. And, I, I, you know, when they were building it years ago, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a walking path, and it has, it's all enclosed with, um, with wire and stuff. And <coughs> I was in a car one time, I don't know, with, with Rhonda or with the kids or somebody, and they said, what is that? And I said, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a deer path. And the deer come up, and that's how they cross the road. Because this, in this area, they have warning signs for them not to cross. And whoever was with, they believed me. But the Appalachian Trail, these trails were, were, you know, trails that are, you know, the Indians and whomever, before there was transportation, they would use these paths to, you know, their basic north-south route. And uh, they would run, go across the mountain peaks and across the, 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 the valleys and things. They had to have a path that was thousands of miles long. And it was their way to travel. And in our lives, there are these, these paths that we face, and there are these difficulties that we face. And sometimes it's a matter of just putting one foot in front of the other. Truett Cathy, anybody know who this guy is? Truett Cathy is not only a committed Christian, he is one of the world's most successful businessmen. He started Chick-fil-A. How many have ever eaten at a Chick-fil-A? 
Some of you don't know what a Chick-fil-A is. Chick-fil-A is a Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it's different. Chick-fil-A is the second most popular chicken place in the United States. Um, it's the second largest quick-service chicken restaurant chain in America. As of September 2007 in Forbes magazine, listing, listing of billionaires, Kathy was number 380. Not too impressive. He's only 380 on the list of billionaires. How many? We're, none of us are on this list, so it's impressive. He has a net worth of $1.3 billion. And this was achieved while remaining closed on Sundays, which is one of the busiest sales days of the week. In his autobiography, he tells of being so tongue-tied, he could hardly put two words together. So this man had a lot of limitations. Number one, he was a stutterer and was not able to speak very well. Three weeks after he opened his first store, it burned to the ground. When he finally got his second store open, his brothers, who were his partners, were all killed in a plane crash. People advised him to quit. You know, this is pretty much a bad sign. Number one, you can't speak. Number two, the store that you built burnt down. Number three, the people who were your business partners are all dead. I don't think you should go further with this, this business endeavor. But instead, he decided to trust God and keep trying. As a result, his business, his business now employs thousands. He feeds millions every day. True, Kathy took his setbacks and turned them into stepping stones. So, so stick with it. The idea is, <clears throat> some days, you don't know if you're a flyer, <clears throat> if you're a runner, or you're a walker. But the idea is, you're not one who is going to quit. You give yourself permission to be where you're at. Because the ordinary Christian life is what we're living and we're living an ordinary Christian life by an extraordinary experience that we know Jesus. And that extraordinary experience gives us faith to believe that whether we're calling down fire from heaven or so depressed that we think we're the only one left on the earth that serves God, we know that the ordinary Christian life is filled with experiences of those who fly, of those who run, and those who walk. And wherever you're at in your Christian life, you have permission to be there. And that you keep putting one foot in front of the other. Results are not measured in dollars and cents. Results are not measured in distance covered. But results are measured in the character that is built in the heart of the person. And that character is what is going to live forever. You're the one that is going to make it to the finish line. And the finish line is whenever we stand before God in heaven and he says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's our finish line. <clears throat> so whether we're flying whether we're running or whether we're walking, you have a purpose. 
God has a plan. And as we keep growing in character, we will become the person God wants us to be. And he will give to us his spirit, his love, his courage, his strength, because he loves us as his friend and as his child. Shall we stand? The importance, the importance of being here, the importance of singing, the importance of reading the scriptures, the importance of praying. It's a value that, that millions of people don't recognize is there. You, ha you and I have something you and I have a knowledge of someone that is so much to our advantage and so much to our benefit that we leave other people who don't believe in the dust because they're following their own whims, they're following their own wishes, they're following something that is, that takes them only to the goal that's in their own mind. But we believe that God has a purpose and God has a plan for our lives. And as Isaiah wrote to the people of Israel, why do you, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, that your way is hidden from the Lord? Don't complain and don't think that your life is hidden. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding, you and I can't even fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases power to the weak, and even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble. But those who hope in the Lord, he renews their strength. They soar, they run, and they walk. And God is with them every step of the way.